Welcome to the Bailu Podcast. Please note the information in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into account your personal objectives, financial situation or needs. Welcome to the podcast. We're continuing our series of conversations with leading fund managers and today we're taking a look at Australia's automotive sector, what it is exactly, how it works and what are some key stock picks within it. So today I am uh, well, to help us out, I'm delighted to welcome Oscar Oberg, Portfolio Manager at Wilson Asset Management. Welcome to the Bailey Podcast, Oscar. Thanks for having me. So firstly, uh, Oscar, let's start off with, uh, for those who aren't familiar with you guys, who are Wilson Asset Management? Yeah, so uh, Wilson Asset, Asset Management was set up uh, just over 20 years ago by our founder, uh, Jeff Wilson. We're an all-retail business. Um, we have six listed investment companies that trade on the ASX. Uh, and just run over um, just over three billion of funds under management. I look after, or I'm lead portfolio manager with a team of um, six other guys, uh, looking after uh, Wham Capital, uh, which is the the list investment company that's been running the longest for over 20 years, and also uh, Wham Microcap, uh, Wham Active, and Wham Research. So we focus on uh, looking at undervalued growth companies, uh, predominantly in the small and mid cap uh, section of the market. Wonderful. So uh, the automotive sector is uh, something that you're um, interested in and, and got some good views. So we'll get into that. But firstly, obviously, a lot's happened over the last few mar- uh, months in the market. Um, how I- how are you guys seeing the world at the moment? Um, you know, positive or, or cautious? And, and how's the COVID-19 period been for you guys? Oh, it's been a fascinating time to be in the market. And I, I think you know, it'd be fair to say, we're, if you told me two months ago that we'd be up 35 percent from the from the lows uh, you know I, I think you'd be laughing but um i think in terms of how we see things going forward we're quite constructive on the market and that's largely because i think firstly you know social distancing and certainly the flattening of the curve has happened and i think what we saw a couple of months ago when things were really tough you saw extensive downgrades from the analysts following various companies that are you know heavily exposed in sectors such as retail or we're going to talk about the automotive sector that was another example and so given we've come out of this crisis a little bit better than we first thought we actually think you'll see a period for the next few months where you actually see analysts upgrading earnings which should actually uh, benefit the share prices of these sectors going forward and i think secondly it's fair to say the the amount of uh, stimulus that has gone into you know that's that's been conducted by central banks and governments globally um, has just been enormous Uh, i was reading the other day there's been $8 trillion of stimulus by G20 countries uh, since coronavirus um, has started. I mean, the US government's uh, spending as a proportion of GDP, 35%, um, which is the largest they've, they've spent on stimulus since effectively since the Second World War. So there's just a huge amount of money uh, floating around in the markets, and that's generally very good for the market. So I think on the from a short-term perspective, we actually think the market can do quite well over the next six to 12 months. You know, from the portfolio, we, we, we played this theme uh, through March. We, we, we went to cash early when coronavirus hit. We were just a smidgen over 40% cash, but quickly went straight back into the market. And today we're sitting at around uh, 20% cash broadly across all the portfolios. And we think the market, yeah, as I said before, will do quite well. I think longer term, there are concerns around, obviously, unemployment being close to 10%. We do have to pay back the stimulus at some point, which is obviously a concern. So I think, you know, longer term, we would be very extremely cautious. And 
that's a key reason why we've stayed quite liquid across our the portfolios. Um, so the average liquidity across the companies that we're investing in at Wilson Asset Management have gone up. So, look, if we do see a second wave or things get weaker, we do have the ability to um, sell quite quickly and go back to cash. Okay. Excellent. So our job today is to talk about the automotive sector. And as you uh, hinted there, you know, potentially one that uh, was hit quite hard, you know, during the depths of the crisis. So I guess as a starting point, we're interested, um, Oscar, in how you approach the sector um, conceptually, what the key drivers are. Um, I guess the first thing worth, worth saying, there's 20 million cars in Australia, and that tends to grow at about 2% um, per year. So I guess we're talking about a sector that offers all sorts of different uh, services to those 20 million cars um, as you know a reasonable part of the economy. Yeah, and I think, I mean, starting there, uh, Nick, it's a great place to start because you do get quite solid growth or consistent growth in the automotive sector, but I think it's worth differentiating between the various sort of components of that sector. So when I'm talking about sort of automotive and the, and the, the companies we've been playing in, it's largely relating to those companies exposed to to motor vehicles that are, have an older age. And so that while there is 20 million uh, motor vehicles floating around, the average age is actually getting older. And what that means is you need more, the, the complexity of parts will increase that these cars need, and they'll also need more servicing. And that creates quite a recurring revenue stream for these businesses. I think so over the last couple of years, we've avoided um, those uh, those businesses that are exposed to, say, new car sales, which is highly you know cyclical and um, can be driven by factors such as unemployment and general economic growth. So that companies such as like a, a car dealer like AP Eagers is is finding things tough at the at the moment, given new car sales are depressed. But if we have a look at sort of those those companies that are exposed to those recurring revenue streams we actually see quite a solid growth profile. And I think generally how we looked at this sector, particularly in April, was when the, 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 the cases started flattening out, it became apparent that usage of public transport would decline. As we started coming out of lockdown, more people would actually go back onto the road and there'd be more driving. I think you can see it at the moment when you walk outside your house, there's a lot of cars on the road when you're walking around. And so that would create a quite a positive tailwind for these companies. And as I said before, these are companies that got heavily downgraded in terms of their earnings forecast by analysts that are covering the stock. And we see, and we see a period now where we actually might see earnings upgrades. And further to your point around new car sales, so uh, we happen to be talking just a, a, a couple of days after the latest update on new car data. So um, April new car sales across or new vehicle sales across Australia was down 48% and in May it was down 35%. And I guess what we're saying is the less new car sales there are means that the stock of existing cars in Australia are getting older and require more service. Yeah, and I think what's been fascinating over this period as well was, you know, when we've seen the, the JobKeeper packages and, um, you know, the ability to take money out of uh, your superannuation, a lot of that money has been going to, say, the used car market and also the used motorbike market. And so that's actually been quite robust over this period. And we've seen sort of updates from car sales, motorcycle holdings, which is a uh, motorcycle dealer, um, actually been quite positive um, over this period. So, yeah, it's, it's sort of been fascinating how it's been, playing out and also where sort of consumers are spending their money. And as you look at the sector, before we get into the stocks, you know, your view on valuation of, of the sector? Yeah, I think when we when we started investing in these companies, as I said, sort of at the back end of March um, and April, 
I think how we approached the, the, the sector at that point in time was we were sort of picking a point in the future where we thought we'd get back to normal. And that was sort of looking two years out in sort of uh, the 2022 financial year. And I guess how we were looking at things is going, well, this is a sector we think that can generate the same amount of earnings or revenue that they did in um, in the 2019 financial year. And I think how we were looking at the time was companies such as like Bapcor was trading at a, at a price earnings um, multiple valuation of, say, eight or nine times earnings, which is incredibly cheap. This business is generally traded at around 20 times earnings. Um, and that was that was how we were looking at things. And our views were that the balance sheets of these businesses were fine, were okay that get through this period and they could actually come out of this period a lot better, um, take more market share. They had the ability to make, maybe potentially make acquisitions of struggling companies and so forth. So, but there has been a re-rating of these companies over the, over the last, um, say, two months. But as I said before, I do think there's we will see um, earnings upgrades from analysts going forward. And the fascinating thing is as well is that you can actually make a case that um, the kilometres driven across Australia might actually be above uh, pre-COVID-19 levels in the next sort of six to 12 months. Because one thing I didn't talk about before is, is, is domestic tourism and the fact that people might be driving more for their holidays as opposed to flying in a plane. So it's sort of fascinating how to see how, how this will play out. But these are the sort of the tailwinds that we see in this industry going forward. And that's why we think it, it, it looks quite attractive. Okay, so let's get into some stocks. Before we do, uh, just remind us of your investment process. What do you look for in stocks as a firm? Yeah, so at Wilson Asset Management, we've, we've got an investment process that's been consistent over the last uh, 20 years. First thing that we look for is a company that has a growth profile that's higher than uh, its, its valuation. So an example is we're looking for a company that might be able to grow at 20%, but the price earnings multiple valuation is 10 times earnings. The second thing we're looking for is a quality management team. And the third thing we're looking for is um, a quality company within its chosen field of expertise. But the most important thing that we need is a catalyst. So the catalyst is something that can change the, the valuation of a company, that can change it from trading at a price earnings multiple valuation of, say, 10 times to 20 times. Um, that could be something like an earnings upgrade, an earnings accretive acquisition, could be a divestment, or things like that. So... That's, that's our process and um, that's the way we've uh, approached it when looking at the uh, automotive market. Okay, let's get into the really interesting bit and have a look at some of the, the stocks, some of your key picks. So let's start with AMA Group, which is a, a smash repair uh, business. It's, it's got a market cap of about $500 million. Um, according to them, they've got about 15% share of the, um, of the smash repair market um, in Australia, but it's a leading consolidator. Um, so, what do you like uh, about this stock? Yeah, so we've we've been through the highs and the lows, and hopefully back onto the highs with this stock. Um, looks, we it was one of our largest holdings uh, through uh, 2019, and the reasons behind that was that you know we've, you had a, a refresh at the board, you had a refresh in the management team, um, and it was really transitioning into a high quality company uh, that could effectively consolidate the smash repair market in Australia and become and have a greater share of the wallet from the larger insurers in the country. And uh, that occurred effectively when it bought the Capital Smart acquisition, uh, which out of Suncorp, back in September. Now, after that, and basically, the, I, I think it's fair to say the wheels fell off and um, that acquisition uh, largely underperformed in the first few months. So the share price fell from around $1.40 from the time when they bought 
Capital Smart to as lows as just just below twenty cents, as the market thought that there was concerns around the balance sheet following that acquisition. Now, as it's as it's panned out, AMA actually had a very strong third quarter with all March quarter, and as, as as I said before, in terms of the the cases flattening, more driving on the roads, I think the confidence towards AMA reverting back to that say that twenty nine nineteen run rate of earnings in the next twelve months is becoming more apparent. And less people um, on public transport, which we, which we think will lead to more cars on the road. So we started buying the, um, the shares at around just around 30, 35 cents. It's done very well for us. But again, the stock is looking very cheap. When you're looking out in, into FY22, the stock is trading on a price earnings multiple of 11 times. Um, so if we get through this period, um, they get the balance sheet. We think the balance sheet will hold up. Um, they get to that run rate of earnings. We, we think uh, AMA will re- recommence its consolidation of, of the smash repair market and we should see upside to the share price from here. So we've seen a lot of companies raise capital across the market and, you know, frankly, some of them needed it and some of them didn't and it was a bit more opportunistic. And, and this business, I guess in particular, um, has been hit hard. Certainly the share price has been hit hard, as you say, from the from the crisis, but it hasn't needed to raise capital, which... I guess is is pretty impressive for a business of this nature. Would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, to a certain extent, there, there, uh, there was definitely. I think it's fair that there's still probably a little bit too much debt that we we'd like on the balance sheet. So they do need to show cash, quite strong cash generation over the next, I'd say, six to twelve months. So I wouldn't say they're out of the woods yet. Okay, <laughs> but I would say also, look, I I think it's not as bad. I'll put it this way: it's not as bad as what probably we've we first thought. Yep. Um, and I think that a lot has to do with the fact that the Capital Smart acquisition, which gross, which was a big underperformer, say, in the, um, in the early months when they bought the acquisition, you know, ha- has actually come back and is, um, is, is doing what it was meant to do. So I think we sort of need some consistency in earnings over the next six months to be 100% sure that they don't need to come to the market. But I think as we've seen um, in this period that, Sort of companies that are raising capital, and in AMA's case, they would raise capital, they'd reduce the level of debt um, if they were to do this, but they'd also give themselves a bit more firepower to potentially do some acquisitions. And I think we're seeing with a lot of these companies we follow is, you know, the, the multiples that they pay, they're potentially paying for acquisitions going forward uh, have reduced quite substantially. So, and, you know, we'll talk about BAPCOR in a second. I think uh, that'll be that the market would actually take that quite positively for AMA. So, look, to answer your question, I don't think they're out of the woods yet, but if they were to raise money, I don't necessarily think it'd be the worst thing. Okay. And just tell us, uh, what does the, what's the Capital Smart acquisition? What, what, what particular business is that? So, the Capital Smart business was held within uh, Suncorp and um, effectively it was a smash repair. Now, what the Capital Smart business does is effectively it's like a factory. Um, so it's it's for low-impact collisions that aren't very complex, and it's effectively like you, you get the cars into um, in, into the, the, the warehouse, I guess you'd call it, and then it's just quick turnover of cars, very, very fast. So uh, it relies on a high volume of cars going through. It was very dry, as you can remember. We're in a drought yep. on the eastern seaboard. And when they first um, owned the business, there just wasn't any – the accidents were really, really low. The other thing that they actually got hit by as well is if you think about your car these days compared to what it was, say, ten, you know, five years ago, it's very complex. 
Um, you've got a lot of the motion si- motion signals and so forth. You know, you've got all sorts of complexities within the car. Now, Capital Smart had actually set a fixed price for all these car repairs. Now, the problem is is that the the cost of the car repair is actually increasing because of the complexity of the parts. Now, they've actually been able to re- renegotiate a price change uh, this year, and that will effectively allow them to make um, the margins that they should be making uh, from the acquisition. So um, that's the, the, the positive um, investment case for AMA going forward. I, I think you look at the smash repair industry, it's a very much a cottage industry. It's a very difficult industry to make money. Um, these guys have scale and they have the ability and the balance sheet to build these large um, factory-style businesses that can do these these smash repairs really fast, really quickly. Yeah, okay. And I guess it goes to my last question, consolidation, and, you know, you could call it consolidation play or a roll-up of this industry. And, you know, listed businesses on the ASX, we've seen, you know, accountants, lawyers, childcare centres, insurance brokers, and, you know, some of those industries lend themselves to consolidation um, better than others. Um, from your perspective, you know this industry does lend itself to that that sort of a, a growth story, and and there are, you know, strong returns on capital available um, for the consolidating business. Oh, definitely, and I think the the evidence of that is looking at Boyd Group, which is listed in Canada, um, which has been a you know, hugely successful uh, roll up of the smash repair industry in North America. And that's effectively what AMA is modelling itself on. So, look, there's definitely been a slip-up with the acquisition of Capital Smart, but there's a quality board in place with AMA. We think the management through Andy Hopkins is very, very strong. So, look, while there has been a slip-up, we think that the business, once it gets through this crisis, will emerge stronger and will be on the pathway to beginning getting to, say, 20% market share. So, look, I think we, we, we quite like the business, Um yeah, industry feedback we get from insurers is that you know it's it's you know a very professional business versus the rest of the sector, and um, they like dealing with AMA. Yep. They like dealing with a business that's a, a consolidator and is getting larger. So um, yeah, we think over time it'll do very well. Okay, so that's AMA Group. Let's move on to BAPCOR, um, code BAP. So automotive parts and service. Um, you know, really the 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 jewel in the crown, I guess is the Burson Auto Parts business, which is a, a network of trade stores that supply replacement parts and consumables used in the service and repair of vehicles to mechanics all across Australia, 186 stores, something like that, and, and New Zealand, 73 stores. So um, how do you conceptually look at look at the stock and the, and the growth opportunities of it? Well, I think that the stock has been a... a, a so it's a great business ever since it IPO. It's been very, and I remember always back at the IPO when we first met management. They said, you know, the trade business, which is effectively what you're talking about before, you know, it's very steady. Um, you know, can deliver sort of low to mid single digit same source sales growth every every year. Yeah, you know, and then the key for the the business has been their private label strategy, which is effectively increasing uh, the exposure of their own house brands in in key things such as. You could say exhaust or um, electrical equipment and so forth within 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 the um, within the stores. So we've looked at it as a very consistent business. Um, there's a number of bolt-ons that the, in terms of acquisitions that the, the company has made over the years um, in consolidating the sector, and we've also seen um, Babcor move into New Zealand and has also now started to have a few stores in Thailand. So we actually do see quite a strong growth opportunity in, in Thailand going forward. So. Very good management team, very steady business, modelling itself off AutoZone, 
uh, in the and O'Reilly's in the United States, which again have been very very impressive and very strong businesses. And so yeah, we, we it's been a and and it's a it's a it's a great market. Um, so you've got in trade, you've got you've effectively only got one other competitor, which is Repco. In the retail business, you've got two other competitors, which is Repco and Super Cheap Auto. So it's quite a consolidated industry, which means it's fairly rational in terms of uh, pricing uh, uh, for its goods and so forth. So yeah, we, we've always been a fan of the business. I think it's fair to say COVID nineteen gave us a good opportunity to really um, uh, increase our, our shareholding in the business and sitting at, at probably our second or third largest uh, business in the portfolio within Wan Capital. Yeah, okay. So we mentioned the Burson Auto Parts business. That's about 60% of the business that you mentioned, the retail. So the auto barn stores, they also own Midas and the ABS uh, brands as well. Um, and, I, and I guess to your point, it, it, it speaks to the to the 20 million vehicles uh, driving around on the on the road and gradually getting older and, and needing, to, needing to be serviced every year. So the more cars need service, the more they need uh, you know, car parts supplied by, uh, supplied by BAPCOR. Um, They've recently raised some equity, so $180 million. Um, so what's your, your view on that um, and, and where are they going to put that money to work? Yeah, so again, it's, it's funny how it's all panned out um, uh, just in terms of, I guess, COVID-19. Now, at the time when uh, Bapcor raised money, their whole New Zealand business was closed. So you know, quite a substantial portion of their revenue they, they just weren't, they weren't um, receiving. And so I guess... While the Australian business was going okay, retail was doing was plodding along, not too far off uh, pre-COVID nineteen levels. The trade business had fallen, but New Zealand was effectively not online. So, we at the time when we bought shares um, or bought more shares um, in the companies in in early, in mid March, it was our view that they, their balance sheet would get get them through. And I guess we were a little bit surprised when they did raise money, but I think after you spoke to management, it was just at the time it was just so incredibly uncertain. There was no evidence. We, they didn't know when the New Zealand business would open up. We didn't know the, the cases were flattening at the time. So I think once we spoke to management, we were comfortable that was the right thing to do, to basically shore up their balance sheet and make sure they could get through this environment. But then as it's panned out, I guess the cases have flattened. Uh, there's more people driving on the roads, as we've talked about earlier. And Bapcor now has just over $200 million of, you could argue, excess capital that they can now invest into acquisitions. So we're actually very positive on the fact that they've raised capital. We think, um, and as I said earlier, I mean, multiples for a lot of these acquisitions in the private market have come down quite a lot. So there's there's various parts of Bapcor's business that they can expand into domestically, certainly into the truck, into truck parts, um, and servicing is, is an area where they can look to expand into, um, and also into Southeast Asia. So, look, they've got all this, they've got this capital just sitting there now, that they can use to reinvest into earnings accretive acquisition. So we actually think it's it's the way it's panned out. It's actually been very positive for Bapcor. Great. And now you know at at ELNC Value we cover it. My colleague James Casey he's got a buy on it and and likes it for similar similar reasons. So a, a very similar mind to you, um, Oscar. You're listening to the Value Podcast. So uh, let's move on to the next stock. So CarSales.com. Online automotive classifieds and also provides uh, motorcycle and marine classifieds um, in Australia. And you know, one of the many uh, businesses that I guess used to be the domain of, of newspapers, but has uh, obviously moved to the online world and done very well. So, as you look at this business, what are the things that you like about it? Well, this is we 
in March. I mean, this was probably one of the best um, trades that we did in March. This one, REA and Seek, actually. And um, these are businesses we haven't been able to own uh, in WAM Capital, just given our investment process and the fact that I've always traditionally been very, very expensive. So, again, in, in sort of mid-March, we're speaking as a team, we're looking forward and we're saying, okay, what businesses are going to do their FY19 earnings and FY22 once we get back to normal? Um, and we're looking at these these the three uh, online portals and they're fantastic businesses and you will not get a cheaper time to buy them then in mid-March. So look, it was hard at the time. I was actually looking back um, looking back at our um, portfolio. Uh, I think we lost about 15 to 20% after we first bought them, uh, but they've come roaring back and done very, very well. But, yeah, look, car sales, as I sort of discussed earlier, um, is a big beneficiary of what's happening in the used car market in terms of people buying cars, um, which, I said, as I said before, you know, see people pull out their super, buy a used car, you know, people less likely to go into, onto public transport. So it's actually been quite a buoyant uh, market or an improving market, I should say, for car sales over the last few months. So um, we just think with car sales, you know, previously we thought they could get to their FY19 earnings run rate and FY22. This might now come earlier than what we thought. And so that's that's the reason we like the business. And we also like their, their South Korean business, which has been really resilient through this period. Um, a lot more resilient than we than what we would have thought, and you know they've got a very strong Brazilian business, which is obviously getting hit very hard by coronavirus. But again, you know, very happy to hold the business through this period, given it's a high quality business. There's also a good balance sheet and have the ability to make acquisitions. So as you said, it's got a great track record. I think you know certainly over the last few years, earnings growth has been consistently in the double digit region, sort of ten to twelve percent. Um, if you think about risks of this business, what's the? I think they've got a, a market leadership position in Australia, but you know, if, if someone wants to sell their car, where else do they go? What are the alternatives, and you know, how do you assess that sort of competitive environment for this business? Well, the, this business almost has a monopoly. Um, you could argue. <laughs> In, in, in online portals. Now, the competitors there is is largely Cars Guide and Gumtree, um, but they're very, very small in cars. But I think sort of how the business has played out sort of over the last few years is just, you know, if you want to sell a car, it's it's car sales. And it's a bit like sort of uh, with property, it's just REA and domain. There's just no other alternative. So I, I think they've done an amazing job on the brand. It's incredibly, incredibly strong. And, you know, we like it for the offshore strategy because they're trying to do, trying to do something similar globally. Yeah. So, look, I think it's – in terms of if I see the risks on the business, um, clearly, you know, if we're looking at six to 12 months away, higher unemployment and once we – you know, a lot of these stimulus payments will come, come back or, you know, will revert back to normal. Um, that's certainly a risk. As I said before, we think it's in the numbers, though, in terms of the forecast from analysts. Their display business, where they do um, advertising, that will be that 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 will be weak, given the uncertainty at the moment. Um, so, and it, it's, I guess, more so, it's a it's a company that's been able to, similar to REA, been able to boost pricing uh, through new products every year. So, you could argue if we go into a period where of high unemployment, period where car dealers are struggling as well, it might be harder for them to push through pricing increases, but. For the most part, we think it is a very resilient business, and I think sort of well, you know, in the in the low teens, it looks very very attractive if it, if it got back there. But I guess, yeah, in, 
if we're looking forward, the valuation at the moment is 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 okay relative to other online portals globally, um, and we'd be happy holders. Yeah. So, as you said, it's got a great track record, double-digit revenue growth. It's a big business now, $4 billion market cap. Three-quarters of that business comes from the you know really dominant leadership position in the Australian market and, as you've mentioned, 25% from um, some international businesses with some longer-term um, growth prospects. And then your last stock is a little bit of a variation on the theme, um, Oscar Tourism Holdings, listed in New Zealand, but a, a provider of motorhome rentals in Australia, as well as elsewhere around the world. So tell us a little bit more about the business and, and why you like it. Yeah, so uh, and before I start, I should say there's a listed peer in Australia called Apollo, which is exposed to the same uh, theme. That that ticker is uh, ATL. Tourism Holdings, yeah, listed in New Zealand, has businesses in the United States, Australia, and New Zealand, and is, is and particularly New Zealand's got the dominant uh, market share in terms of rentals uh, for for motorhomes or, or RVs. And effectively, this is a business that has been absolutely smashed yeah. from coronavirus. Um, if we look at the New Zealand business, around ninety percent of their customers are international tourists. However, I guess if we look at when we started buying shares. When was that? So about around dollar twenty, dollar thirty. Did some work on the, on their balance sheet, and it became apparent once we did the work and understanding this market that it is actually quite a liquid market in terms of being able to sell uh, motorhomes or RVs. And there was a lot of concern in the in the market around Tourism Holdings' ability to sell their fleet in the United States. And I should have I should add what what they do here is they actually buy a fleet of of motorhomes. They'll rent it out for the summer and they'll get handed back the keys and then they'll actually sell those vehicles in the, in the second-hand market and they'll keep doing that process every year. Right. And that's what they do in the United States. And so they're actually in this process at the moment of selling those vehicles. Now, if you have a look at Thor Industries and Winnebago in the United States, they're actually rebounded very strongly. The share price is actually, I think, above what they were before coronavirus. And the reason there is is effectively – the, the, the motorhome markets actually in terms of sales is very liquid it can you can and we've seen sales being done and at okay prices but more importantly is that because of coronavirus we think more people will be using motorhomes we think less people will be going to hotels and we think less people will obviously be flying you are going to see quite a big push and once Queensland I think they've been the laggards opens up their borders and we can travel interstate you'll see a huge push towards domestic tourism. And we think these guys will be a beneficiary. In fact, Tourism Holdings, I think it was two weekends ago, um, offered a very discounted rate for rentals that weekend once the, uh, the lockdown measures in New Zealand open. And they actually had a record uh, weekend. I think it beat it by by quite some quite some amount. So putting it all together, the earnings for this business will look atrocious in the next financial year. Yep. But when you look out and you're looking out sort of two to three years' time, it's incredibly cheap. Um, we think it's trading on a price earnings multiple uh, valuation of five times earnings. And if we get back to, say, their 2019 run rate of earnings in, say, 2022 or 2023, look, we think the share price can easily double from here. And, and as I said before, the Australian um, comparable there is Apollo, um, and they're, they're in a similar situation. So, yeah, we quite like this sector, and we think um, – yeah, given given its valuation, and we actually think it's got some quite some strong tailwinds going forward. 
So it owns the um, the Brits brand, I think is their flagship brand. You, people might have seen some of the uh, motorhomes or the recreational vehicles driving around with that brand on them. I mean, thinking about the business model and that rent and then sort of recycling of, of those assets, a return on capital, is that the right way to, to look at it, given that they own that, that fleet of, of vehicles? And, you know, in a normal year, are their returns um, reasonable from your perspective? Yeah, they are, but I think it's worth uh, saying that you know it will take some time to get back there, back yeah. to a, to a decent return, particularly above their cost of capital. Um, so yeah, I think you have to if you're buying this stock today, you've you've got to be you've got to be holding it for the next two to three years and be confident they can get to their 2019 earnings in say 2022, 2023. And I think this, this business. You know, it, it did trade at a um, – it got to around $6 a share a few years ago and was trading at sort of 20 times on a price earnings multiple or over 20 times on a price earnings multiple valuation basis. So you can see these businesses that generally, you know, they could trade at a premium or a slight premium or a discount to its net tangible assets and then just because the tailwinds towards the industry is improving, the market will just forget about that and start pricing at a very high price earnings multiple valuation. So – Look, that's how that's how we're approaching it. Particularly if we start seeing an influx of of demand, just because people are less willing to fly and and to use hotels. Yeah. Okay. So that's Tourism Holdings listed in New Zealand, code THL dot NZ. Um, so they're the stocks uh, we wanted to to talk about. Um, Oski mentioned at the start which um, listed investment companies you're responsible for at WAM. So um, how's performance been over this period? Yeah, it's been it's been great. So we uh, we made the decision to um, around the end of February when coronavirus effectively entered sort of uh, South Korea and and Italy. We made some decisions across the portfolio and we sold a number of companies. And we went around early March. We were sitting around just over forty percent cash in in both funds. The important, the most important thing we did in that period though was we did buy, as I've discussed on on the call today. And so we stayed at 40% cash um, through March. And I think the catalyst for us to get back into the market was the the capital raising by Cochlear. We didn't own shares in Cochlear at the time. It was a big capital raise. And normally, you know, we're quite a reasonable size fund. We can usually get something in a capital raise like that. And we got zero. And I think it became apparent at that point in time that we'd go through quite a positive period in terms of raising capital in the market. And so we quickly added to our portfolio. We bought a number of smaller positions in companies that we thought would raise raise money. And we participated in close to almost, I think it was almost 20 uh, capital raisings over over this period. And they've all done very, very well. Companies such as Webjet, Flight Center, uh, Next DC, uh, Bapcor, as we've discussed today, IDP Education raised money at $10. It's almost $17 or $18 today. So look, that was our way of, of getting back into the market. And then sort of as it as it has panned out, we've had various themes and we've talked about automotive today. There's, um, there's been a theme around agriculture, consumer discretionary, housing, we've given the stimulus and given our flexibility in the mandates across WAM capital and WAM market cap, we've been able to play these themes, particularly on the active side of the portfolio. So as it stands today, um, I think we're outperforming in WAM capital by just over 4% for the financial year to date. And in WAM micro cap, we're outperforming by, I think, about just over 12%. So, yeah, look, as I said before, at the start of the call, things are very uncertain. I think the most important uh, message I'll leave uh, those listening to the call is we are much more liquid than what we were uh, before before coronavirus hit. 
which means if we're wrong, if there's a second wave or things get worse, um, we can go to cash very, much quicker than what we could um, back in February. So to give you an example, if if we were to sell, try to sell everything that we could in the in the portfolio uh, within five days, if we go back to coronavirus, uh, we, it was around 55%. We could sell 55% of the portfolio in, in, in five days. Today, it's sitting at 70%. So very comfortable in terms of liquidity, the portfolio. Uh, we more, are more in the market. Uh, but as I said earlier, look, we, 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 we're quite positive and constructive on the market in, in the short term. Okay, so there we go, the automotive sector and the outlook for the market. Um, but the automotive sector, one of the key beneficiaries of the lockdown uh, restrictions easing, according to Wilson Asset Management. To summarise, 20 million cars in Australia, um, cars are getting older and there's going to be a skew to domestic tourism and people getting on the road. So, you know, some of the businesses that serve that space include AMA Group, Collision Repairs, uh, BAPCOR, Car Parts and Service, Car Sales, online auto classifieds, and lastly, the variation on the theme, tourism holdings, the New Zealand business, the motorhome uh, rental business that's leveraged to domestic uh, tourism. That's about it for this episode of the podcast. The easiest way to get more information on Wilset Asset Management and their range of six listed investment companies, and as we've just heard from Oscar, their performance um, has been strong through this period. So the easiest way to get more information, speak to your financial advisor, or you can go to their website, wilsonassetmanagement.com.au. Thanks to our special guest, Oscar Oberg, Portfolio Manager at Wilson Asset Management. Thanks, Oscar. Yeah, thanks all for having us. Really appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe or follow this podcast so you're kept up to date with our thoughts. We're available on all the main podcast platforms and apps. And lastly, don't forget to look at our website, bailu.com.au. Have a look at some of the videos, our research, all sorts of things, and you can even request to speak to an advisor if you don't have one um, already. Thanks to our guest, Oscar Oberg at Wilson Asset Management. Thank you for listening. And until next time, goodbye. You have been listening to The Value Podcast. The information in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into account your personal objectives, financial situation or needs. You should not rely on general advice without making your own inquiries or your own assessments about the suitability of the financial products or services mentioned.